0: The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSradio.com. This is WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Well, this morning we got a good show coming your way, and first off, to kick the morning off, We're going to be talking to a 74-year-old woman here in Murfreesboro who earned her black belt. Her black belt in Taekwondo at age 74. Now, here's the most interesting part of that. She never took karate lessons, Taekwondo lessons, or anything like that until she was in her 70s. Taking a look at local issues and talking to local guests, here is today's host, Scott Walker. This morning we have Darlene Baker with us and Ken Carlson, and Darlene has an interesting story. You have conquered something that is, uh, well, most people really, they don't participate in, and they probably would like to, but they never get around to doing it. I'm sure folks are curious, what in the world are we talking about?
1: Well, I have been working with Ken Carlson for about a year and a half now, He won't call it Taekwondo, because he's gotten out of that business uh, several years ago, but he does what he learned in Taekwondo with people who are interested in in doing the physical work, but also in including a spiritual component with it.
0: So you signed up for Taekwondo, and you, I, I guess, how long ago did you sign up for Taekwondo?
1: Well, I didn't actually sign up for Taekwondo. Ken was actually, on a prayer group that I was on and he had indicated that he would be glad to work with anybody that wanted to work out physically with him and as I said have a spiritual component to that too so I was interested uh, and so I just called him and reached out to him and uh, he started working with me and I think we decided it was December of 2019 it's been hard work
0: I bet it has now do you mind if I ask your age on air because I'm sure listeners are that's part of
1: the story it is there are not many 74 year old women doing this I started at age 72 I guess
0: now 74 and you've earned your black belt yes Ken tested me for my black belt and I passed that's pretty neat
1: it is it is very neat I'm I'm proud of that and and proud to know Ken. He's he's a unique guy and uh, very good at what he does.
0: So before we talk to Ken, what was your motivator behind wanting to learn martial arts?
1: Well, actually, to be honest, I don't think I contacted Ken so that I could learn martial arts. I was more interested in becoming more motivated and consistent with my Uh, Bible study and prayer life and uh, that's why I really reached out to him and I knew that he was going to do the physical component too and I was interested in that because you know at my age it's hard to motivate yourself to go to the gym my husband and I have had a membership at the gym for ages and we don't go very often so I knew that would be good for me too
0: it seems like the majority of people who have a membership at the gym don't actually go to the (laughs) gym (laughs) exactly Especially during COVID. That's right. And you started this whole, the martial arts, you started that during COVID.
1: Exactly. I did. I just, you know, I was tired of COVID already at that point um, in December of 19. And it hadn't been going on very long at that point. But I was just sick of having to stay away from everybody and having to wear that mask. And I was interested in doing something new. So,
0: Again Darlene Baker with us today and uh, earning the black belt that that's a, a, an accomplishment for sure. Yes, uh,
1: I think it is.
0: <laughs> and again you're 74. You don't mind saying that. I don't mind. But that's that's a pretty neat story though because I don't know anybody, you know, 70 plus, 60 plus even <laughs> who earned that black belt unless they earned it years and years ago.
1: Right. Exactly,
0: and let's head to Ken Carlson now. Now, Ken, how many people over the years have you trained?
2: I've lost count. <laughs> <laughs> Easily over twenty-five thousand plus, probably much more.
0: Is this the first time a seventy-four-year-old that you've trained ha- has gotten their black belt?
2: She's probably uh, yes. I think so. She 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 probably is. We we've had a few other up in that age. Uh, congressional members, but, but I think at her age, receiving black belt for the first time, yes.
0: Now, the neat thing about your background is you actually live in the Washington, D.C. area. When you said congressional, have you trained some members of Congress?
2: I actually was associated with a gentleman by the name of June Ree who was considered the father of Taekwondo in the Western Hemisphere. And I started under him when I was nine years old. And eventually they actually took me in and he raised me, being an only child from a divorced family. And so he actually started a congressional Taekwondo club there at the Rayburn building at the house gym in 1967, 68, I believe. And so I had the privilege as I got older to take part of that in helping out and assisting in teaching. And that was a volunteer class that he taught three mornings a week for almost 50 years.
0: That's pretty neat. uh,
2: Probably a little over 350 congressional members went through that.
0: So your, your life growing up was kind of like that movie Karate Kid, Mr. Miyagi.
2: Yeah, maybe a little bit like that.
0: <laughs> as far as working with those in Congress, working with those who are in and out of the White House daily, what do you think motivated some of them? Was it their personal protection that at first got them into the idea of, you know, hey, I think I want to try martial arts?
2: Well, actually, that's exactly what happened with one of the congressional members years and years ago, that he actually was attacked. In Washington, D.C. So June Rhee called him up, his office up and said, hey, I'm June Rhee, I teach taekwondo, let me teach you and I'll do it for free. And the congressional member said, yeah, that'd be great. And so that's kind of how it started. And it is a unique type of activity to do besides just the basic physical fitness. So it did become very popular and uh, it continued to grow over time. So you have a number of congressional members who would kind of come in and go out. So we, we had... Uh, some of the few that I had the privilege to work with was, was uh, former Congressman Bob Livingston and, and uh, uh, Congressman Toby Roth and Nick Smith and uh, uh, Speaker of the House Tom Foley, Newt Gingrich, and of course, former president uh, or now current president at that time he was not, uh, uh, Joe Biden, who uh, I can't recall if I actually personally did. It's been there's just so many of them but he went through that program as well.
0: So how high did some of those members get as far as what belt level did they achieve?
2: Yeah, we probably had, I would say, maybe about 15, 17 top who actually received their black belt, and even up to second and third degree. Former Congressman Nick Smith received his third degree black belt. That's pretty neat. So Jesse Jackson Jr. who received his second degree black belt. Not the norm to go that high if you will uh, being in Congress and they're so busy and they're traveling constantly but it was certainly a privilege and an honor to be part of that
0: again with us today Ken Carlson and Darlene Baker and Ken have you had folks come back to you and say what you taught me saved my life saved my family's life you know we were uh, I don't know robbed or or our house was we had a home invasion has anything like that ever occurred
2: very much so without question. And it's a great feeling when someone comes and tells you that you've changed my life. You know, I had no motivation or, you know, I, I used to have a, a heavy drinking issue or I'm not excited about life at all and very depressed and, and, and contemplated suicide. And so without question, you're very flattered, if you will, and, and thankful that people recognize what you're doing it's an encouragement and it, and it certainly can motivate you to keep going.
0: There's another side of martial arts outside of the fact that you learn how to defend yourself, protect your family and things like that. There, the other side of it I think would be you feel better about yourself for one. You're strong enough in your mind to know that you are important.
2: Right on the nail. It is more of the inside development that ultimately has the overall effect in your life than the outside. The outside, the punching kick, it's a vehicle but the inside is the one where those gifts that we've been kind of blessed with, right, that we can kind of activate those. So example, when someone's throwing a punch, you need to have some type of ingredients to throw that punch effectively. Speed, power, accuracy, timing, quickness, and on and on. Those ingredients are the ones that you can actually work on. You can work on the physical, but if you can tap into the inside and work on those ingredients and build on that, then that can spill over into other areas of their life as well. In my case, the physical was just a vehicle.
0: It also gives that self-discipline of, you know, you always hear the story, well, somebody picked a fight with me. (laughs) But you have the self-discipline to say to yourself, I know I can stop him from attacking me, but I don't have any need to actually take on his bait that he's trying to get me to fight him. So you're headstrong enough to say no to that, but yet you know you can defend yourself if needed.
2: Very much so. I think people, when they get into it, there's a percentage of people that would like to be able to be a little bit more confident and like, hey, if someone attacks me, how you know I'll be able to defend myself now a little bit better. But as they continue training, they realize, wait a minute, that's not what it's about at all. And that they're actually, their desire to even be in that type of situation or have a confrontation of any way is much less. They learn to avoid. They learn to, how to diffuse, if you will. So that desire, or even putting themselves in a situation to find out if it's gonna work or not, it certainly lessens for the most part. There's a few who would probably like to test and see (laughs) what they have learned. But in general, very much so. And I think that applies to all the the martial arts, if you will.
0: And then that that self-confidence, that really falls over into your daily life as well, though. It falls over into, if you're in politics, you know, the ability to stand before a huge number of people and speak. Because that's one of the biggest fears is public speaking. But you have that self-confidence or you develop it, hopefully, through even martial arts.
2: Uh, I was a DF student in school. So uh, I started when I was nine years old. I'm 62 now. So it, it certainly did help my confidence tremendously. And as you said, as far as speaking in front of people, uh, as I got older, I had to do that. I had to go into different uh, schools and do bully prevention uh, seminars and and travel with June Rhee and, and speak. Uh, and we do demonstrations in front of large audiences. Uh, Tony Robbins was one of our black belts, and uh, we did a demonstration uh, one time of more than 10,000 people. And so that can be a little intimidating and, and you have to talk a little bit. But through through this uh, experience or, or this this uh, journey, if you will, many years certainly has certainly helped my confidence without question and and uh, plays a tremendous, tremendous role in, in many people's journey of success, if you will.
0: Now, so, yes. Tony Robbins, he's one of those bigger-than-life motivational speakers and uh, he had to have been an interesting person to interact with as far as um, you know doing martial arts with and talking to he he had to be one of your more fascinating persons I guess
2: very much so, and he was pretty much under the tutelage of June Re for the for the most part. But he's a perfectionist. He likes to get things right, and he wants to get it right the first time. And uh, when he sets his mind to what he's going after, he's going to go after it. And so he was very persistent, even after his seminars were done. At you know one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, he would still do training for another couple hours. Like Darlene here worked extremely hard. She worked you know seven days a week towards her, getting her black belt, and that's just not commonly done, if you will, especially at that age.
0: So Ken, how did you go about training her when you live in D.C.? Do you live in D.C. year-round, first of all?
2: I, I do, yes, and uh, I actually I come to Murfreesboro, Tennessee for about two months, then I'll go back to D.C. and then again two months, so I'll do that throughout the year. But it started, you know, actually my life completely changed uh, in 2012 where I got out of the martial art industry and took a little break. And I was kind of actually drowning a little bit, I think, you know, emotionally and physically, I was exhausted and and this really wasn't fulfilling to me uh, the way it was in the very beginning where I was so passionate about it. And my wife of now almost 36 years, we have four girls, uh, the youngest being sixteen, Hannah Grace Faith and Hope, sixteen. Um, she had prayed for me that you know my husband would would find some more inner peace and joy, and and um, so I, I I got out two thousand twelve and just kind of uh, we, we we shuffled our life around and uh, I spent uh, some time and uh, uh, prayer and I got kind of heavily into that where I was actually uh spending five days a week from you know 10 p.m till 5 30 in the morning doing that for three years and after doing that i was convinced that this is the direction i wanted to go i really i really saw that life there was much more in life that god had in store and planned for me than what i was doing and ultimately because of that time in prayer it really gave me a, a greater hunger to have a, a more intimate and deep relationship. and I, I saw what it was doing to me as far as it giving me much more peace than I ever had. the joy that I had that couldn't be swayed in any way. And so I thought, okay, let me let me pray and where do I, where do I go with this? What do I do with this? you know And uh, finally uh, it, it came to well okay, let's take let's take what I was doing. Um, and let's kind of modify it a little bit. So we came up with the Five Stones Breakthrough, which is a, a ministry in uh, working with people one-on-one. So now we don't necessarily call it taekwondo or martial art, and sometimes I even say, we're not even punching and kicking. I don't know what you call it, but, but Five Stones Breakthrough. And um, and the Five Stone Breakthrough basically is made up of uh, it comes from the story of David and Goliath, when David was fighting against Goliath uh, in First Samuel 17. Down you hear, you read the story. Um, he he was up against a great obstacle, a great Goliath, if you will. And I thought, wait a minute, you know, I've been I've been up against Goliath in my life. I've had a lot of Goliaths that I had to overcome. I can't be the only one. There's got to be other people also who had to face those Goliaths. And so now we kind of took uh, we modified the 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 physical side took the most important key components and then implemented a spiritual side the five stones made up of focus uh, uh, strength belief strategy and action and we kind of work in that direction of those five areas through over time of this training so you walk away with the physical black belt but at the end of the day. As you know, that's not what it's about. We hope that you have grown spiritually a more intimate relationship with Christ. That's the ultimate key here as well.
0: Again, with us today, Darlene Baker and Ken Carlson. And once more, Darlene just recently earned her black belt at age 74. Fleet Feet Murfreesboro is locally owned and operated, dedicated to providing superior fit, function, and style for Middle Tennessee runners and all fitness enthusiasts. This is Fleet Feet owner Krista Dugosh. We focus on providing you with the running and walking shoes that fit properly. Come see us at Fleet Feet next door to Carabas. Lead Off Baseball Academy, making young dreams come true. We have a facility both in Smyrna and in Murfreesboro. Ryan Donahue with leadoffbaseballacademy.com. We do a lot of individual one-on-one training. We do a lot of camps and clinics for the youth. We have a softball side of things. We have an outdoor field at our Smyrna facilities. Have travel teams and do a lot of training there from that aspect. Visit leadoffbaseballacademy.com for more information. Men, when did you last give that special girl a
3: real nice gift on Valentine's? Or do you take her for granted? Express your love this Valentine. You'll be repaid tenfold. Bell Jewelers makes it so easy for you. Diamonds, rubies, sapphires, and emeralds fit for a queen. Only at Bell's, you'll find the affordables, rich new exciting fashions and gems at prices you can easily afford. Make that special girl happy this Valentine. You'll be glad you did from your quality jewelers.
0: Bell Jewelers on Broad Street, across from Toots online at belljeweler.com. We're gonna talk with JC Bowman, Executive Director of the Professional Educators of Tennessee. A special conference called the 2022 Leader U Conference is being held on the MTSU campus today. It got underway at eight o'clock this morning, goes on to four this afternoon. We're talking with J.C. Bowman with Professional Educators of Tennessee, and I understand you are in Murfreesboro this week.
3: Absolutely. We're there to talk about the new normal, what education looks like after COVID. Is there even a normal in education these days? No, sir. We just proceed straightforward. Everything is uh, in a state of change, and I think we're still trying to figure out where we are and where we're going.
0: I know a lot of parents are concerned after the shooting unfolded outside the MTSU Murphy Center. At the Riverdale graduation. In fact, right after the Riverdale graduation shooting occurred, there was another shooting in Texas that left multiple students dead. So a lot of parents are concerned going into this next school year about school safety.
3: That's exactly right. Now, the governor just announced A big safety plan with an executive order. Certainly we wish he had done it through legislation, but we think it's a pretty good plan. The only problem that we've seen is that we think it probably should begin immediately. I mean, he needs to really have that thing rolled out before they're back in school in August.
0: In other words, the safety plan that has been put forward by the governor is coming out. The only problem is it's not coming out in time, it sounds like, for teachers to really grasp what's in the plan.
3: No, that's exactly right. And you're going to have to give them time to digest. And again, this is more stuff that we're putting on the plate of teachers. I think the one thing, Scott, that we've wrestled with is that I think we've really got a pretty good grasp on is that really law enforcement needs to be in charge of this issue. And I know that, that goes right in the face of what happened in Uvalde where the law enforcement failed to go into where somebody was firing. I understand that that's a criticism. But in general, teachers are not experienced. With active shooters, for the most part, 83% of our teachers are women. Now, some of these women carry guns. We understand they got a good knowledge of that, and they're they're very knowledgeable, but for the most part, They're not experienced in it as law enforcement are. So we really got to have law enforcement deeply ingrained. That's why we're big advocates for SRA.
0: I think it all goes back to that same issue that people have been talking about for several years, and that is let the teachers do their job teaching because that's what they know best. Teachers shouldn't have to go to work in fear of something unfolding such as a shooting.
3: No, sir. And you and I have discussed this many times. There are so many discipline issues that our teachers are dealing with, and, and it's been a – it's not only a lack of respect for educators, but it's really the discipline issues that we've just not gotten a grasp on, and we keep putting them back in society. There are some kids – hate to say that. I don't want to give up on a kid, but they've lost their ability to be there because they're just constantly disrupting class. You know, I think public education or education in general is an honor and a privilege, you know, and I think some kids just take advantage of that.
0: Again, we're talking with J.C. Bowman, Executive Director of the Professional Educators of Tennessee. And once more, you're in Murfreesboro this week, and this is for a conference that is being held in Murfreesboro. Tell us more about that, if you would.
3: Leader U is our annual conference that we do every year. This year, is today, the first time we've met in two years and we know that reading is a, is a key thing, but we've got a keynote speaker for Teacher of the Year from South Carolina. One of the things that she has done, she's now an administrator. She has done away with faculty meetings, and it made her obviously very popular with teachers, but what she does is she records things as needed during the week or on the weekend on Sundays, and she will email and text her faculty, whichever their preference are, no more than five minutes of things that needs to happen at the school, rather than staying your school for an hour. But she's just phenomenal in adjusting things. Her key role as a principal is to support her teachers. That's one of the key things that I think that we've lost. Our principals seem to be more focused on central office, paperwork, and other things. And really what we need is somebody there to be behind the scenes, helping our teachers get what they need in the classroom. And that's what she has done very successfully in you know, getting national recognition. Anne Marie Taylor is her name. She'll be in town for the next two days. We've got some phenomenal keynote speakers. We've got the former Commissioner of Education on Data. Mary Balwala is there. So many key people coming here. We've got Sherry Dedman from the Teaching Channel, you know, turning theories into practice, Laura Lynn Rowland. I mean, we've just got so many folks. John Fanning in Lincoln County, and he talks about speaking to the media. He did his uh, undergrad at NTSU, so he was a phenomenal guy. Natalie Beach is coming in. Tennessee Tech just hired her to teach reading. This year, in particular, we're trying to take best practices and putting in from theory into how do you implement it in the classroom.
0: Again, J.C. Bowman, Executive Director of Professional Educators of Tennessee. And this conference being held in Murfreesboro, this is a big conference where teachers from all over the state and probably some neighboring states are coming in to learn more about school safety, about education, and where we are today in education after COVID. So this is an important event. Where is all this being held?
3: At MTSU, at the Student Center, and if somebody would like to attend, we welcome them to come. They can register online, leaderutn.com, and they're welcome you there. You can show up at the event. If you're a student teacher, you can come for free. Scott, we'd love to have you come out because we really support GNS. We think you guys are doing incredible work, and we thank you for the, the work you do to educate your community.
0: Again, J.C. Bowman, and this event's going to go on until
3: This is just a one day event. We're done by eight to
0: four. To date, on the MTSU campus, big event. Some of the topics underway that will be discussed include school safety, the state of schools, where we are in education. I mean, all of that stuff. And of course, those who live in Rutherford County know that we are in a state of change right now locally because we're bringing in a brand new Rutherford County Schools Director to start off this next school year, and I'm sure a lot of other schools are too.
3: It it is going to be needed, and we think that uh, Mr. Sullivan's going to do a fine job. He's a very data-driven guy. You know, we we certainly hope that he'll be an improvement in communications. I think Mr. Spurlock's uh, problem was communications. We think that he could have probably communicated better, and I don't mean to begrudge him, but that's one of the major areas that in schools we remember we serve the public. It's called public education too often we've forgotten that part of it. And uh, we think Mr. Sullivan will be a little bit better of a communicator. So Rutherford County has a lot to look forward to, hopefully in the positive.
0: The communication of educators talking with those in the district office, I mean, that that's huge. Communication is literally everything. And Pretty much all lines of work,
3: but that's basic one on one. But you have to remember, educators sometimes, and I think this is one of the things as we've stepped back and looked at. Educators are not natural communicators with the public. They're fearful of speaking out. There's so many things that we can't say, you know, because kids get protected. And you and I've also had this conversation. They're protected through various laws. You can't speak out on a kid that may be a constant threat or maybe a potential harm to other kids you can't speak out on that kid because that kid has rights that, that has to be followed and teachers can't explain why they do things and we think that that's somewhat of a problem but on the other hand you can't speak out on the job and, and, and they, they've been afraid to speak out for too long and then it goes back to the district the district itself ought to be wide open and instead of limiting the ability to speak at board meetings, you ought to be looking at opportunities and ways to bring more citizens to the table. And it may be a painful experience, but if you've got to open it up every day for a week or for two weeks to let parents come in and really express their views, take those ideas the parents have in, as well as educators, and I think you're going to get a better system. When you hide people's freedom of speech and don't listen to the ideas that are out there, It comes back to make it really negative on you in the long run because you you created a dissatisfied parent or taxpayer, and we're in the business of making sure that we're serving the public.
0: Again, J. C. Bowman with Professional Educators of Tennessee. The conference today on the MTSU campus, big event going on all day, and again
3: where on the MTSU? Eight o'clock to four o'clock at the Student Center, MTSU. And we sure hope people come out.
0: 8 o'clock to 4 o'clock at the MTSU campus in the Student Center. Thank you for joining us this morning.
3: Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you, Scott.
0: WGNS,
3: Rufrisburg.